0: the Jets Centre, folks. Uh, this is the Winnipeg Free Press Podcast about the Jets, other sports, etc. I'm your host of this thing, and I'm sports editor Steve Lyons. And I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Mike, this is episode 36. Today we're going to be talking about the Jets, of course, and how they did in uh, trades and free agency last week and over the weekend. What their defense might look like this season. Uh, the fact that they're shopping around Jack Rosovic. And this one I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> Whether or not pumpkin pie is best pie. All right. So that's a good debate. Uh, this, you know, we might get a whole period for that one, Mike. Because could, we could do a
1: podcast literally on desserts if you wanted to. I mean, seriously. Like, I actually uh, I tweeted the other day. My, my I called it my pie power makings. And I listed my top five, and then I listed my, my least two, the two at the very bottom. So a bit of a cliffhanger for listeners. I won't reveal that now. We'll get to that later in the podcast. but I will uh, I'll share with you what I say are the, the top five pies and the two worst without question. All right, well, I'll look forward to that. <laughs> So let's uh, jump right into the first period of this uh, thing that we do every week um,
0: and talk about how the Jets did in free agency. Um, They went hunting for bargains while other teams uh, went uh, hunting for big game. Um, You know, the Jets made a trade uh, early in the proceedings before free agency, right, Uh, where they uh, took Paul Stasby back from the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: And then, um, well, what was it tr- agency? Yeah, yeah was no, that, was a, that was a trade. A trade, by the way, Steve, that we speculated on uh, when we did our podcast uh, last Thursday. We did. What yeah. did I say? How did I say that I felt about it then? <laughs> you were not a fan. Uh, you were not well, a fan of, of please, the trade. Well. <laughs> yeah, so I don't imagine you've changed your thoughts uh, I- on that. Uh, the Jets uh, went hunting for free agents, and, um, man, I, I wish I would have made a list of the names of these guys because I can't remember them, uh, but they signed some bargains. Um, what happened here, Mike? So the, the, the Vegas Golden
0: Knights in, uh, yesterday um, um, introduced Alex Angelo in their Zoom call, and the Jets introduced Nate Thompson and Derek Foreworth uh, in their Zoom calls, the uh, Vancouver Canucks introduced Nate Schmidt, and Montreal Canadians introduced Tyler DeFoley, and Buffalo signed Taylor Hall, and on and on. Now, so I'd never heard, frankly, I'd never heard of Derek Forborn, even though he played in Calgary last year. Um, I'd heard of Nate Thompson. But um, what's going on here, Mike? By my
1: looks of it, none of these guys want to come to Winnipeg. No, I mean, the Nate Schmidt one is the one that jumps out to me, Steve, because Nate Schmidt is exactly what the Winnipeg Jets could use, right? A, uh, a guy with all kinds of offensive upside, a guy who can, you know, <laughs> put it this way, he's been Vegas's number one defenseman for the last uh, couple seasons. Vegas, without question, has been one of the best teams in the NHL. So you have the number one defenseman on one of the top teams in the league, that they're practically giving away, like Vancouver paid a third-round draft pick. Uh, Those things grow on trees, and that is a price that any team should have been willing to pay, let alone a team like the Jets that has a gaping hole on its top four, one that Nate Schmidt instantly could have stepped into and made better, and yet the Jets... I mean, we we don't know exactly why the Jets were not the team that he goes to. There's, and you sort of addressed it, Steve, in your your newsletter that went out to your subscribers earlier today, that there's potentially a few different reasons. I agree with what you sort of conclude is the most likely reason and that is that Nate Schmidt probably didn't want to come to Winnipeg. Uh, He had a limited uh, no move, no trade clause. He could identify uh, teams that he did not want to go to and teams that he did want to go to and look we we live in Winnipeg Steve I, I, I think it's safe to say we like it here uh, but the same can't be necessarily said for others and you know you've got a choice between living and working in Vancouver and living and working in Winnipeg and you're coming from Vegas uh, pretty easy to see which, which tour an athlete might choose
0: right? Yeah, well, he did say in his Zoom call yesterday that Vancouver was his favorite place to play on the road. Um, uh, You've been to Vancouver, right? Um, yes. It's a nice place. Uh, British Columbia, in my opinion, is uh, the most beautiful place in the world. Frankly, um, so um, it's it's not a difficult choice. So, I mean, this leaves this has been brought up before about Winnipeg. You know, the, the, the Sharks mentioned that there's. It's cold and dark here in January, there's no (laughs) Wi-Fi, we do have Wi-Fi, I'm using it right now, by the way, Um, so, and then, you know, in the ESPN poll came out, uh, you know, last year where 44% or something like that uh, of the NHL players, of the ones polled said that Winnipeg was the worst road trip uh, uh, on their schedule, and and, uh, listen, it's Winnipeg. Like, I get it. I love it because I live here because I've accepted it, really. Do you know what I mean? I've accepted that I live here. Um, frankly, if I was a free agent sports editor and I could pick third, if I had third <laughs> other places, I probably wouldn't pick here, although I do. Uh, I love
1: my boss, and I love you, Mike. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I mean, let's face it. When, when you're an athlete, like, we, we, us, those of us who live here and we know everything about this city, we tend to both criticize and defend it vigorously. But when you're an athlete, like, what is the what is the, ho- the pro hockey players experience? They land at the airport. They get shuttled uh, to the Fairmont Hotel, usually in the middle of the night, usually in the dead of winter. They then uh, get bused from the Fairmont to Bell MTS Place for morning skates. They then might walk to City Place or, you know, a Starbucks or a Tim Hortons nearby and get a coffee. They go back to their hotel. They nap for a few hours. They they uh, bus it back to the rink a few hours before game time. They have a meal. They play their game. Then they get bused to the airport and get on their charter and leave Winnipeg uh, in the rearview mirror. Like, they're not experiencing the culture. They're not... You know, they're not being taken around to maybe some of the nice neighborhoods. Like, that's what they see, right? And it's cold, and it's dark, and it's miserable. And other than, I guess, the loud crowd at Bell MTS back when we could have fans in rinks. And again, they're they're not cheering for them. They're the visitor. They're the enemy. I can see why it's not necessarily the, you know, and and Winnipeg, when, when teams have a night off, Teams will schedule that night off. Not in Winnipeg. They'll fly to the next city, or they'll stay in the previous city. Yeah, stay in the and, Yeah. So, so they're not going clubbing or you know whatever in Winnipeg. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not a surprise that, that they feel uh, that way. Uh, all right. So we, we we
0: accept here that not just it's not just hockey players. This is a situation just in general that nobody wants to move to Winnipeg. Okay. Okay. We agree on that, right? Yeah. So now, now what do the Jets do about this as a solution? Um, you know, is it, is it that they, you know, they draft and develop. Okay. So they draft and develop, they draft and develop, and then they look after their players and they try to keep them here long term. And, and then, but if, when they need to go and improve, I mean, yeah, they got Paul Stastny. the wave his no trade contract a couple of years ago to come here for the playoffs when it looked like the Jets had a legitimate run at the Stanley Cup, and they did have a legitimate run that that spring, but in general
1: is this just the way it's going to be, and this is what we need to accept? Yeah, I mean, so there's a couple ways I guess, potentially around that. Number one is you you drastically overpay and in a salary cap league, especially one where the cap isn't growing like you have to be very, very careful uh, that you don't you know drastically overpaid because then you then you tie your own hands uh, for other moves right but there's no question Steve the Winnipeg Jets Kevin chevelletoff would have to add let's call it the Winnipeg tax they would have to add some extra numbers on that that salary in to get some names here and the other thing that is this there's only so much cap room to go around in the league right now and we're seeing it more than ever right now so i suppose Because their teams don't have the cap space, and then a team like Winnipeg can come in and say, "Well, we'll take that problem off your hands," and then the player comes here. So, but the, yeah, the Jets. I mean, they're it, it is an uneven playing field in a sense. They're not they're not flying Alex Petrangelo in like the Vegas Golden Knights did for a beautiful weekend in Vegas and taking him on an elaborate tour of the sites and the schools and the. The you know the, the places to the leisure places like the Jets don't do that and Vegas does and look how it how it results. I'll see if we back for the second period of our Jet Central podcast that uh, might talked a lot in the first period about
0: you know the Jets uh, conundrum. I guess is the, the, is the best description of it is that you know they 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 are going to have difficulty attracting top free agents here. And then, and then, even trading for uh, top players would be difficult. if the players, you know, had no movement clauses, which most really good players do these days. Um, it seems to me that if they were going to target people, they're pro- the, in a trade. They're going to probably have to target younger players um, who don't have that say yet. Maybe trade one RFA for another RFA type of thing, uh, which brings us to. Some of the trade rumors that we've heard, um, Jack Roslevic, as you wrote on the weekend, is being chopped around. I think that there's probably teams that would be interested in him. You know, the other RFA, of course, that we heard lots of rumors about was Patrick Liney. It does not look like
1: he's going to be moved, uh, although, you know, who knows? And and then I, I guess the other thing is, you know, potentially trading, you know, somebody like a Nikolai Ehlers or, or a Cal or some sort of asset that you have for a younger asset on another team um, that would potentially help you with whatever circumstances. Right. You need filled. You know, it's it's interesting that uh, Jack Roslovic is a guy that is certainly getting some some interest, and Kevin Chevalier, I'm told, has talked to a number of teams about him over the last few days. Obviously, he hasn't pulled the trigger on anything yet, and, and whether he does remains to be seen. I. I would be shocked if Jack Rosovic is a Winnipeg Jet when next season starts, whenever that is. I think he gets moved. I think he's a trade chip. He's not going to land you uh, a number one or number two defenseman. It's debatable whether he'd even get you a number three or number four. And as you pointed out to me the other day, Steve, the Jets have a lot of number five and number six right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they, they don't need more of those. They need a guy that can sort of grab you know, a top-two position and, and really run with it. Um, whether Jack Ross and McLean gets that done, whether the Jets would have to boost that package. I mean, Sammy Niku's another name, and he's also an RFA, Steve. You look at the Jets' blue line right now, they got nine guys signed, not including uh, Niku. I see no room for Sammy Niku next year. I'm just not sure what value he has anymore after last season. Now, he was... Uh, in his rookie year. He was the American Hockey League defenseman of the year as a rookie, which has only ever been done once before by a rookie. And that was only in twenty seventeen. So, you know, and he's still young. So I gotta think that there's some value there. A team would look at a Sammy Niku and say, We could we could do something with that. So do you package a Rosovic and a an Niku together? Does that get you something? especially a team that's maybe in a rebuild and is looking to add some young pieces. Um, You know, I I do think the Jets are still trying to make an addition to their blue line because I can't, for the life of me, Steve, think that they're content to go into next season with this defense that is really, other than Derek Forbert um, and Dylan Sandberg, who will be a rookie... I mean, other than that, it's the exact same blue line, except it doesn't have Dmitry Kulikov, who say whatever you want about Dmitry Kulikov. He was a top four defenseman on this team last year, and he actually played pretty well at times. So now they don't have him. Is Forbert and Sandberg enough to fill that hole? And, I mean, what's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result?
0: Uh, I did. I did, get some, I did get a couple of emails from people about the, the Jets' defense, and one of them was quite interesting in that, so a couple things here on the Jets' defense, and you might know the numbers on this better than me, Mike, is that in the, in the 15 games or so before the, the, the shutdown, uh, the Jets were playing quite well. Yes. And defensively, they were playing quite well. Team defense, great goalie. Um winning games. Um, and so, could they replicate that with what they have? Yeah, maybe. And then the other thing that's brought up, and, and then I'm kind of going against my own argument here a bit, but there have been teams in the past, the Pittsburgh Penguins are the ones that jumped to mind for me always, is that, that have won the Stanley Cops without a, you know, really bad defenseman, if you want to right. call it whatever, right? a defense by committee, and so uh, with a bunch of really good forwards, and the Jets do indeed have a bunch of really good forwards. Um, uh, You know, some of them are might be a little overrated in my mind, but um, so, I mean, potentially they could be successful. I don't mind. I'm curious about their forward. I'm always a fan of number-one draft picks, uh, first-round draft picks um sometimes they take a little longer to come around and then they end up being pretty good players or right uh, I, i'm also a fan of jack rossel by the way i like him though as a third line winger with pop and lowry so I, I and he wants and he wants to play center there's no yeah, question about it a lot yeah we all want a lot of things exactly by the way steve
1: here's a little trivia for you uh Do you know Derek Forbert was picked 15th overall in his draft year? Do you know who went 16th overall? Do you (laughs) know a player, uh, you may have heard of him, that the Los Angeles Kings could have had and probably wish they would have taken instead of Forbert? uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, actually it was interesting. I look back at that draft. St. Louis that year had the 14th and the 16th picked. L.A. was kind of the sandwich. Uh, yeah. With the with the 14th picked, the St. Louis Blues picked Jaden Schwartz. Uh, L.A. then picked Forbert, and and then St. Louis picked Tarasenko. I'd say that worked out pretty well for the Blues, wouldn't you? Yeah, what's the deal on Forbert? Why has he not um, lived up to expectations? Yeah, so you know, he took a longer road to the NHL. Like as a as a first round pick, he took he, he spent basically three full years in the Kings farm system. I think part of that, Steve, was at the time the Los Angeles Kings were absolutely loaded. Uh, they won Stanley Cups, of course, in 2012 and 2014, which was the the years that Forbert was just sort of breaking into his pro career out of a, out of junior. So he couldn't really crack what was, I guess, a very solid, you know, two-time Stanley Cup champion-winning lineup. After that second Cup win, the Kings, uh, like a lot of teams that win the Cup, were seeing it with Tampa. They then had to dismantle a little bit because of the cap. That then created an opportunity. Forbert steps in, and you know he was paired with Drew Doughty for much of his Los Angeles career. Drew Doughty at his peak, certainly one of the best defensemen, you could argue the best defenseman at a time in the league, um, but, you know, he, had, he battled some injuries, Forbert did, uh, Dowdy was the more sort of run and gun, you know, kind of like Dustin Bofflin, right, he'd get up the ice and Forbert was more of the stay-at-home kind of partner, and they worked pretty well at times together, but it, it was on a rebuilding team, some lean years there in Los Angeles, And then they shipped him, of course, at the trade deadline last February to Calgary. The Kings were not making the playoffs. The Flames brought forward in as kind of an insurance piece. And I thought he actually played fairly well in that first round against the Jets. I remember noticing him, you know, watching that series uh, in the bubble in Edmonton. He was quite physical. And as we know, Steve, we've talked about this, the Jets got manhandled that series uh, by the Flames and Forbert was, was a piece of that. He also blocks a lot of shots uh, and he's good on the penalty kill which are things that could all help the Jets. I yeah, just so don't... Guys, guys aren't drafted in the
0: first round of the NHL unless they have some skill. Sure. Uh, it, it doesn't happen, right? That's usually your skill guys that are taken early in, in a draft or whatever. So, I mean, you know, who knows? Like, you know, so, you know, circling back to the, you know what we chatted about at the beginning, like, I mean, maybe this is just the Jets' play is that they need to look for guys like this and hope that maybe they, you know, stumble upon a diamond in the rough or whatever, right? That's a late bramer. And the guy,
1: he's still only 26 years old or something like that? Yeah, he's 26. And, you know, it's it's interesting. It reminds me a little bit. A lot of people, when the Jets traded Jacob Trouba for Neil Pionk, went, who the hell is Neil Pionk? And... Well, Neil Pionk is not Jacob Truba, obviously a very different player, I think everybody recognizes that Neil Pionk was a pretty valuable player for the Jets last year. And I find it interesting, Steve, uh, just to sort of wrap up this thought, that right now uh, Derek Forbert is training with Neil Pionk. They're both from Minnesota. He's also training with, uh, with Dylan Sandberg. He joked yesterday on the Zoom that he should be charging the Jets a, a coaching fee for all the drills that he's running Pionk and Sandberg for, but I kind of laughed at the irony in that Forbert um, is probably going to be competing with Sandberg for that second pair left-side spot, who would be playing alongside Neil Pionk. So I'm sure those guys have a lot of things to, to talk about these days. All right, folks, we're
0: back for the third period of our Jet Central podcast. Hopefully I can get through this. I've got this little fruit fly, Mike. He keeps landing on my mic here.
1: Um, <laughs> not this not the same to be clear, this isn't the same fly that landed on Mike Pence's head during the debate last week, Steve? The vice presidential debate. Not. Oh god. <laughs> oh. I didn't I didn't watch that. I'm
0: <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, um, so yeah. What are we watching? Speaking of watching, uh, so I was watching MLB playoffs actually that night instead of the the debate. I watched a little bit of the baseball yesterday. Um, I didn't. I didn't watch any of the NBA as it wrapped down. Did you? Um, I um, my interest, like you, I think, waned quite a bit after the Raptors got knocked out. I was a little curious to see how why Leonard was going to do with the Clippers, and then. You know, I have some interest in seeing how the Lakers did, but uh, you know, I just have trouble watching the Lakers period, and and, and the Heat too. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it wasn't. the Heat just don't do anything for me.
1: So, um, anyways, did you watch some? I watched a little bit, but uh, I mean, it's it's a great story, I guess. In that, it really shows, doesn't it, Steve? The NBA more than any any of the major sports. Uh, how one player can can really make an impact. Like, uh, LeBron James, what, he's now won, is it five championships with uh, different uh, teams? Yeah. Four? Three? Five. Four, maybe. Yeah. But he won with Miami, he won with Cleveland, yeah. and Cleveland was terrible before he went went there, right? Went back there. Then Miami was terrible after he left. The Lakers were terrible before he joined them. Now they're great. Like, it's and I mean, what often happens, we've seen this in the NBA, a great player goes to a team and then he brings like another great player too. And you get these sort of super dynasties that get built almost overnight. Um, I guess the Vegas Golden Knights are the closest you get to an NHL team trying to do that uh, in building sort of a, an elite dynasty. But of course, they're still hamstrung by the cap. And you know, for every Alex Petrangelo or Mark Stone that you see, bit of a Nate Schmidt or a Paul Stasny or whatever. Uh, But in the NBA, it doesn't really seem to work that way. You just spend till your heart's content. Well, then, hang on, Mike. They have a salary cap. They do have a cap, (laughs) I know. But but you see, guys take all kinds of like. There's all kinds of side deals that get made. Like guys guys will sign for pennies on the dollar to play with. A LeBron, right? Like, because it's I all think about... What, I think what happened with... It's interesting you
0: mentioned the LeBron thing. I, I, I don't think... I did watch enough, though, to know that. also that Anthony Davis was probably the key, really, to the Lakers. Yeah. That guy was really, really good. And if you look at the other L.A. team, the Clippers, with Kawhi Leonard, he also did the same thing. He made this side deal and, and, and arranged for the Clippers to trade five first-round backs so that Paul George would come and play with Kawhi. I and
1: mean, Paul George literally you know, disappeared like in the bubble. Right. Yeah, how'd that turn out? Yeah, that did not turn out very well at all. <laughs> so, you know, and the irony is, of course, had Kawhi stayed with the Raptors, I, I, I would suspect that that would have been the Raptors, not the Miami Heat, playing in the final. And maybe... Maybe they would have had enough to beat the Lakers and be two-time champions. So, sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side, Steve, I guess, uh, is the but lesson there. It, it might be greener. Um, yeah, money. <laughs> right.
0: But it's not necessarily um, yeah that much better. So, yeah,
1: so let I think Kawhi made the wrong decision, for sure, yeah. So, when we did the podcast last week, I, you recall I kind of connected the dots. I said... The Tampa Bay Lightning had won the Stanley Cup. It looked like the Lakers were going to win the NBA championship. They now have. So you've got a championship for Tampa in the COVID area in hockey. You've got a championship for LA uh, in the NBA in the COVID area. And now you've got the Tampa Bay Rays one game away from reaching the World Series. And I was kind of hoping, just for the symmetry of it all, that the Los Angeles Dodgers would win the National League. And then you'd have a Tampa-LA MLB the championship COVID era rubber match. Yeah, but those pesky Atlanta Braves—they're—they're they're ruining the narrative, Steve. They're up two nothing. The Dodgers, like, talk about a team that spends like crazy and always seem to have the best team on paper, but they never seem to be able to get over the hump. And I don't know why that is. Well, I mean, uh, Blake Kershaw is the biggest choke job uh, artist. In the history of baseball, he's, he's a
0: three-time Cy Young Award winner who um, has been terrible in the playoffs. And then last night in advance of Game 2, uh, shockingly, he was not able to start because of back spasms. Now, my back! My back! Yeah, my back! You know, like, holy mackerel, dude. Like, I don't know. Like... Um, and then the Braves went up seven. Hey, how about Alex Anthopoulos? Like, uh, yes, all he does you know, is win. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, he's the, he's he's running the ship here in Atlanta. And uh, um, you know, I was a big fan of his in Toronto. Don't get me wrong here. I'm also a fan of Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins and what they're doing in Toronto. Um, I was not that you know up in arms when Anthopoulos was kind of moved out after Shapiro took over the team, and I understand why Shapiro became the president of the team and what he needed to do from more of a executive point of view.
1: But uh, good for Alex Asopoulos and what he's doing with the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, he, he certainly left his stamp on, you know, Asopoulos. A lot of people both praised him and then dumped on him because when the Jays were sort of loading up to those runs in, you know, a few years ago, he traded uh, – he made a lot of trades – uh, and then you know some prospects were brought in and guys that didn't necessarily pay off immediately, like Char- the mess a little bit that Ed had created. Yeah, uh, by- that was the that was the that was the uh, narrative. But if you look back, I guess he traded away ten prospects in
0: in one year there, or whatever, right? And yeah, none of them have done anything. Like no, always that that was the has played well with the Marlins this year. But none of them has really
1: done anything. Yeah, he traded away nothing, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I I agree. I think the new regime, they've sort of picked up where he left off, and it's taken a bit of time. But, yeah, Apopolis, by all accounts, uh, you know, a great baseball mind, and he seems to win wherever he goes. So we'll see if Atlanta can, I mean, it's a best of seven, so they're halfway there. I think the stats, Steve, is when a team goes up 2 nothing. Historically, they almost never blow it. So we'll see if the Dodgers... We'll see if Clayton Kershaw can make a miraculous recovery to his back. I see he's not scheduled to pitch later today. Uh, It's a guy named uh, Urias is going to be pitching for the Dodgers. Um, uh, So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But uh, that's pretty much what I've been watching. I'm starting a new Netflix uh, show, my wife and I. It's called uh, Fear City, New York versus uh, the Mob. Uh, that I've been told is really good. Uh, it's a three-part series, so I'll I'll report back to you on that once I've uh, delved in. All right, folks, we're back for the overtime uh, period of our Jet Central podcast, and
0: I know you guys have been waiting 32 minutes for this, <laughs> uh, so that Mike McIntyre can... First of all, I'm going to just say, right off the hop,
1: screen so oh, no actually have the little like barriers or borders to keep your food separate i I need a plate like that for an adult wow okay well i don't know okay so what are your
0: top pies Uh, okay so pumpkin is just so for the record though. pumpkin pie is way down the list of my pies but okay you give me your your give you give me your
1: top five there so my top five the other day uh it was pumpkin was number one absolutely uh cherry i love cherry pie uh, it was number two. Blueberry pie. Uh, can't go wrong with that. Uh, apple. And last but not least in my top five is banana cream. My grandma used to make that tremendous banana cream pie. Uh, so that was my top five. It's my tweet the other day. I said pie number 999. I'm just surmising that there's 1,000 pies. 999 was lemon meringue. And pie number 1,000 is raisin. Uh, because it's absolutely vile. Uh, <laughs> so, let <laughs> oh me guess. 50, you, have,
0: pie, you have lemon and raisin, raisin pie. pie. Raisin pie with vanilla ice cream, Mike, is crazy. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I'm with you on the lemon meringue. Um, yeah, it's not, uh, I'm not a meringue guy. Although I like a, a meringue. Like, if you buy a big meringue, you can buy those in, I remember buying a huge one in Paris. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, you just get the meringue. That's right. Like, cool. like this, yeah. The, I, I, I like those. Um, so I'm with you. Cherry pie would be my number one. Blueberry would be right up there, number two as well. A I, I, raisin pie for sure. My oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, right. I up just there. lost my appetite. Nana cream pie. Um, so we're, we're on board. But I, you know, pumpkin pie is just kind of like, eh, like it's like just it's just bland man, like, you know what, I guess you put enough Cool Whip on it, but
1: I like it, the more nutmeg, the better for me I like it really nutmeggy is that a word, is nutmeggy a word uh, it is today oh, I'm at the risk of starting another debate, and this might have to be saved for another podcast if I was, if I was adding a 1001, I know this isn't a pie, but I would put this so far beneath uh, even lemon, meringue, and raisin, and that would be Genie's Cake, yeah. which is, not a fa- uh, no, not a fact. I do not Uh-oh. get the Genie's Cake fascination in this city at all. Uh, we it, hope we don't get emails over that. <laughs> I'm sure there are great people over it at the fine Genie's Bakery Company, uh, but I do not like their cake. I, I actually, I take that back. I like the chocolate sprinkles, the chocolate shavings, uh, and That's it. Yeah. I don't like anything so else about is, it. What is your uh, okay? We get it. We don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not <laughs> Pork, pork, right. pork. Yeah. Um. So, what would be your favorite dessert if you had to have just one dessert? And by the way, I had a couple of I had a couple of amazing desserts recently, but but then that's just me. I'm all about right. desserts.
1: Um. What's your favorite dessert, Mike? I would say I, I love nothing more than an awesome amazing cinnamon bun like oh. a cinnamon cinnamon bun for me is is right at the top of the list I would also include um, cheesecake but only certain kinds of cheesecake like I like I like a blueberry cheesecake like you more fruity than say chocolatey let more fruity less sweet. Uh, cheesecake can be up there, but I mean, depends. I've had cheesecake. But it's terrible as well. Uh, but yeah, I'd say a blue, uh, cinnamon bun. If I had my choice of a dessert, I'd want a cinnamon bun. And I, I remember, Steve, back in the day when I used to golf, I was a member of, at Rossmere uh, in my teens. I used to like spend the whole summer with my friends at Rossmere Golf Course. They had the best cinnamon buns that I've ever eaten in, in my life. And they used to, like, cut them in half and put the butter on them, and then they'd fry them or, like, toast them. So, like, a toasted cinnamon bun with butter from Ross was the best thing in the world. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. So, it's cheesecake,
0: again, for me, uh, boo. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what they call it. Because it's not cake. Cake is cake. Right. I don't know, I don't know what cheesecake is. Um, I'm not a fan. My favorite dessert, of course, would always be something... Uh, The There's a bunch of different Greek desserts that are like that. They have that great
1: syrup. But I had a great baklava the other day. My wife loves baklava.
0: Yeah. So you know it's hard to find a really good baklava in Winnipeg.
1: I buy her I'll, I, every now and then. I'll go stop at Baraka on Main Street, and they sell baklava uh, at Baraka. Say that five times. Baklava at Baraka. Uh, but okay. theirs is really good. I don't know if you ever had it from there before. And I'm really, really a baklava snob. It. Yeah.
0: um having it, had it in Greece several times, or uh, or in London, London, England. There's some great places. So there is a place though on Portage Avenue called Blady Market. It's a Arab place uh, at Portage and Valor, and um, they make some homemade baklava there that is terrific. Almost. Like, it's really worth the trip. So, there's a plug. Um, I suspect I, we've got all our listeners just drooling right now, so we should probably let them uh, go and, and go to their fridge or their store or whatever. Well, I'm
1: due for lunch. I have some, <laughs> Me too. I'm having salad for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's a kind of salad I like, speaking of dessert, I like jellied salad. Oh, okay. <laughs> Time to go. <laughs> Especially with fruit cocktail or mandarin oranges and orange yellow yeah. tough to beat that okay <laughs> on that note <laughs> always good to chat mike um, have yourself a um, great week i know you're
0: taking a couple days off later this week and having uh, some downtime you deserve it but so we'll uh, talk to you again uh, next week thanks for listening folks take care